you can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, welcome to the episode of Renegade Rules. This is Jeff Johnson. I'm here with Heather Shoemaker. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's good to be chatting to you. We had a, a little bit of time off. We get together and we record these in in bursts, and it's nice to be chatting with you again. I was thinking about you on the road the other day. Um, we were we were traveling. It's, it's insane. We took grandbaby almost four on a road trip with us, so a little over three thousand miles round trip out to, from Iowa out through Nebraska to Boise, Idaho, and then back through Yellowstone. And on the road, restaurants and hotels and and at events and everything, I'm listening to people talk to talk to her about how how cute and smart and adorable and pretty she is. And you know that's nice and it's it's well intentioned and they're making conversation. And then I see her. In the in the hotel room one evening, looking in the in the mirrored hotel closet door with her head kind of tilted to the side and her her palms together up to her cheek and and she says, "I am adorable," and <laughs> and I can't I can't argue with her because she is kind of adorable. But I'm wondering what this message is putting into into her her head. Is there? I mean, kids are incredibly, incredibly resilient, and I get that. But is this the best choice for language, or right. what should what should we be doing? Right. Well, I think that um, it is all well intentioned, and as you say, sometimes just making conversation. And I think the kids certainly she will not be scarred by this wonderful trip out to Yellowstone <laughs> by the comments. But I think it's something that adults need to take some notice of. And be a little more careful with their speech when they're talking to people, um, especially little young people, because we tend to slap on comments like cute and pretty, especially on the girls. Yeah. And we slap on other comments. Um, um, my kids get things like, oh, you're so smart or so brilliant or so, you know, something like that. And it's in their, in their hearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to say something to the parent when the kid's not listening, that, that, that can be fine, make somebody feel good. But, you know, in front of the kid, it's, I think it's quite harmful because when enough people say these things, adorable and smart, they, they get a, um, a, mis, a misguided sense, uh, a misplaced sense of, of who they are. And kids are forming identity. And they, um, you know, in these early years, they're trying to figure out who they are. And if they keep hearing certain messages over and over, they're um, going to internalize it in a way that I am prettier than others or I am smarter than others or I don't have to work hard because I am so smart or various things. So it's, um, I think we can be a little more intelligent in how we speak to children, a little more respectful. Yeah, the one, the one that really scares is me is the, the thought process of people tell me I'm pretty, so I have to be pretty, and that becomes the main focus of life is being pretty, and I 
I, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time trying to be pretty, but I've met people that do, and it, it takes up a lot of time and uh, burns a lot of calories. And, and, and when those messages form who we are, that, I mean, that can be carried long, long, long term, huh? Right. And I think that people, um, if you're wanting to say something about somebody's, you know, a child's nice appearance, you can say, um, what a happy smile you have on or something specific, something that, that oh, yeah, you, you're, you look happy about something. What did you just see? Or you know, try to get their actions and their, their reactions and their thoughts rather than just their appearance. I think both boys and girls, though, get the comment cute, and they associate it with being young and being little. And so I think a lot of kids are a little bit um, afraid of growing up and getting bigger. There's a great um, storybook, picture book called um, little gorilla, isn't that the title of it, where the little gorilla has a birthday and he's oh, all yeah. worried about turning the next age because he's so little and he's the littlest of all the gorillas, so he's worried when he actually grows big and he's bigger than everybody that no one will love him anymore. And I think there's um, this kind of comment that comes. A lot of kids do feel worried. They don't, they're a little nervous about growing up. Um, they like to be little because little kids get free lollipops when they go to the bank and cute kids, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> they notice that the grownups don't get the trick or treat candy. They notice <laughs> things, you know, yeah. I think it's a source of, oh, and so we need to instill in them that they have a solid identity that will grow and change with them. And being little and cute is not what makes them so wonderful. Yeah, and, uh, you know, grandbaby's already. She's already talks about. I don't. I, I want to stay smooth. And she's talking about. She, she, she wants to stay smooth. She doesn't want to. And I'm not talking smooth jazz. I'm talking. Uh, we we. She doesn't we, want to grow a beard. Well, yeah. She well, and she doesn't want to get wrinkles. That's what she's talking about. Um, uh-huh. She wants. She wants her skin to stay smooth. At at almost four, this is a concern for her. And so if she's she's having it shoved into her ears how adorable and cute she is and pretty all the time, then then that becomes her identity. And I I want her to feel and be much more than that. Um, the other problem I have with this, Heather, is when we're when people when I hear this, I almost feel like I need to be counteracting it, kind of like, ah, she's not that adorable. You don't spend enough time with her, <laughs> and and that's not the right response, is it? Right, that, but I, I understand you're you're trying to be the antidote um, because it, it it puts everybody on the spot. A comment like that. So as an adult, if you're interacting with kids that you know or kids that you don't know. You know, try to be careful with your words and not just slam on these cute, pretty, smart compliments because they can make people pretty uncomfortable and they're not always um, wanted. Yeah, yeah. And so when we carry this into out of the real world into our early learning programs, how how as practitioners... Um, should we be addressing this the same way? Because, it, I mean, it all boils down to um, this is kind of that empty praise stuff that Elfie Cohen write, writes about, huh? Yes, it's it's a lot of the empty praise. Kids, kids want to be noticed. You know, they want attention. They want recognition. They want to feel that their ideas are valued. But the emphasis there is their ideas, their ideas and their actions. So if you have a room full of young kids, whether, you know, it's family or whether it's a classroom of kids, um, try to comment on things that they are doing 
uh, or things that they are reacting to and thinking about. So that should be where most of the wow comes in, like, wow, that's an interesting thought. Or you look like you're really using your muscles. Or I see you've got on a big flouncy dress today. You're not having to – you're noticing what they're up to. And they inviting them to have an interchange with you. But it's leaving leaving the space open for them to – assert themselves and their ideas and and um, not just have these blank, empty praise words. Yeah, and those, those are also great opportunities in the classroom or out in the world to go deeper with with that engagement because I think a lot of this this praisey stuff is used um, as a way to start start a conversation. And then, it, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, I'm cute, okay. And it, it kind of doesn't go anyplace. But when you start asking them open-ended questions and, and, and really engaging, there's a chance for, for some deeper, more meaningful um, mm-hmm. takeaway from that. Another thing that I noticed that, especially with, say, stranger interactions or, or, or in a classroom, is that adults will comment on um, something the child is wearing, um, often in brand names. And this is interesting because, you know, kids have a lot of brand, whether it's Star Wars or princesses or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, or it has store brands all over their clothes and their backpacks and their water bottles, etc. And sometimes um, the amount of branding that's attacking our kids, I think when adults take too much notice in what they're wearing and what brand it is, it starts to make the kids uh, feel like brands are super important. And some kids in, um, really take this deeply, and then they become little shopaholics at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, grand, uh, grandbaby's mommy and daddy were, uh, well, we were gone. They were out, uh, uh, they, they picked up her birthday present, which is a, a two-wheel bike with the training wheels and, and, uh, and a helmet, and they had a hard time finding a helmet that didn't have a princess on it. I mean, mm. a, a princess or Disney characters, I th- princesses or uh, Disney princesses or, or Sesame Street characters, I think it was. And, and so, I mean, just, just trying to find that kind of stuff out in the world is, is, is more challenging now because it sells so good and it's all about selling stuff. Right. So, what did she end up with? No she uh, no. At all? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that was maybe my preference, but no. They ended up finding. They they had to they had to really search to find find a generic looking. And I mean, some of them had like floppy floppy ears on them, like rabbit ears and and unicorn horns. I guess just goofy. Oh no. Stu- they're, oh. they're branding rabbits. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they're branding <laughs> branding. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know if that was left from Easter. I don't know where that one was. Um, and, and so they ended up finding a, a, just a, a helmet, which took a lot more work than they thought it was going to. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a big part of it. And, and, and they do, they do come up with, there, there's so much focus on, on the, 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 the labeling and the branding. It's, it's scary. Right. And another question that I hear quite young kids ask or adults ask the kids is where did you get that Um, and then people naming stores which I find you know as an adult you might want to find out where somebody you got somebody something if you see a useful item you need to stock in your house but it's disturbing to me to hear kids asking or answering that question yeah, yeah, because they—I mean—they—they they become de facto salespeople for, for whatever store or website it is, which right. is, is kind of creepy. And they're taking in the knowledge 
that this is important information. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The more people around them talk about it, the more they realize, oh, where I go to a store or what store is very important. And that's all part of identity and what seems to be right in the world. So if that's not in your family values or what you're trying to encourage in kids, then then don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that buy, buy, buy becomes a big thing. I got I got I got a purchase story for you, a question for you. What, what would you do um, scenario? So we're at we're West Yellowstone. Nice little community, very, very kind of dead this time of year because the park is just opening up. And uh, walk into the hotel room, and there is a stuffed wolf pup on the hotel room bed with, of course, the tag and the price tag on it. Grandbaby makes a beeline with it because it's cute. And so apparently this is what the hotel does. They put these in every room, and... It's real. It's kind of like putting the candy down low in the uh, in the grocery store check, grocery store checkout lane. Um, would you have Would you have uh, bought the cute wolf head? <laughs> no, you don't know me well enough to ask that question. But no, but I would have said that's to teach us impulse control and to how to resist temptation. <laughs> Because resisting temptation is one of the most important things we can do as human beings. That's what I say in the candy checkout aisle. Because uh, actually, my youngest child, sometimes he, when he was with me in the grocery store, he'd see something and he'd say, well, let's get that. And I'd say, no, it's not on sale this week. And he thought that meant you couldn't buy it, that it wasn't on sale. He said, well, why do they even have it in the store if it's not on sale? So I didn't dissuade him of that for a while. But then he'd ask, well, why do they have the candy at the checkout if we can't, you know, we never buy it? And I said, it's to help develop impulse control. Which it is in my mind, and that's why it's there. If we want to buy candy, we, we go specifically to the store with his piggy bank, and we go on a candy-buying mission. But when we're getting groceries, that, that's not a grocery, so we don't ever get it in the checkout. So to me, it is, it is an a impulse control exercise. <laughs> but that is sneaky of the hotel. Oh, it's very sneaky of the hotel. And we walked into a restaurant. Okay, Well, we walked into the restaurant later down the street a little bit later, with the wolf because I I bought the wolf um, <laughs> and they knew which hotel we were staying at and with with when my kids were little probably wouldn't have bought the wolf. Yeah, you are a grandfather. I am a grandfather and uh, the wolf was really really cute and I got to tell you Heather I might have some impulse control uh, problems my my own self so uh, maybe I need to train up the grandbaby right so. I am better at controlling myself? Uh, I don't know. Well, I think that's a topic for another time, yeah. too, is the difference between what the grandparents, the, the kinds of ta- uh, values and, and the types of relationships and how you interact with your grandchildren is different, fundamentally different than, than parents. Um, and, you know, it's, it's okay that it is different because you have a different relationship, but yeah. you're going to be teaching her different values over the course of your life. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to beat myself are. up. I'm not going to beat myself up too much because, uh, every time we stopped for gas, her first, her first, uh, the beeline she made every time we walked into the convenience store gas station place was for the candy aisle. And, uh, Ooh. there were, no, we're not buying candy today. And, uh, you know, there's the, the, the fussy things. And, and then we just walk out of the building because when the fussing starts we leave um that's just kind of the uh the uh family practice and and so i i can i can say no to her um 
but the wolf was really cute, and she's so precious. Right, getting back to being adorable. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, my kids uh, don't ask for any candy to be bought because I've never bought them any. Uh-huh. But they often will get their piggy banks and want to go get something because that's learning how to spend things on their own money. So sometimes they'll say if they want something, oh, gosh, I really need to have a lemonade stand soon because I'm running out of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, but they don't ask me. If, they've never said, oh, can I have 50 cents for a dollar? They've never asked that question. And um, I think that's great because I'm, um, I don't want them to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, because then it's a question you're you're just about always saying no to, and and it, it it's it's good for them to to learn to do that stuff on their own if that's what they if that's what they decide they need. And um, anything else on the topic we should uh, we should touch on as we before we wrap this up? How do we? Uh, I can't put the question together right in my head. So we pulling it all together. We when when we're hearing this kind of language, we don't. Next time I'm I'm in the hotel or something with a grandbaby and they start talking cute precious or anything, I don't I don't slap the the person behind the counter and say no bad. Um, are there things that I can do as grandpa when we're walking down the hall to the elevator to help her put those things in perspective in her four year old little head? I don't think we. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel just let people just, say what they're going to say unless it's somebody that you interact with all the time. You just don't need you to know, make it if, a thing. Yeah, if it, if it's somebody that, um, you know, is, is um, a teacher at school or somebody in your Sunday school or someone at the grocery checkout line that you go through their line every single week or someone you interact, a family member that you interact with regularly, then I think it's great to have an open conversation. You say, okay. you know, I, I know that you like to say these things, but this is how I, I think it impacts her. Um, do you mind trying not to? And I'll understand if it's a hard habit to break because we can't, none of us can uh, change quickly. Um, and not everybody's willing to. They may have not had those kinds of things ever said to them, and they're trying to make it up in that direction. Oh. But I think what I would do on the spur of the moment is just um, um, interact with your child the way you the way you always do, which is take a, a genuine interest in what they're thinking and what they're doing, yeah. and that will counteract the, the empty praise. Well, now you got me thinking about something else. Is part of the reason some people are are almost overboard with that kind of language is because they never, never felt it. I mean, not necessarily heard it, but never felt it when, when they were young. That's a, that's a big. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's everybody. I think many people are motivated just by trying to be kind uh -huh. and trying to be kind is a wonderful thing. We need yeah. more people in the world who are trying to be kind. But I do think, um, you know, I was a child that certain labels were put on. Um, I was labeled as shy and smart quite a bit as a youngster by, you know, by outsiders. Uh -huh. And I didn't think really, I think that when you hear enough of a certain label, um, you feel kind of odd inside. So I think if the adults never had that experience and of feeling that way, you know, they wouldn't know that, that kids don't like it. Um, so maybe nobody ever said that particular word to them, but I think many people, um, 
you know, maybe they're aching for that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, we've done, uh, Lisa and I on our, our show have done a couple interviews with uh, Tamar Jacobson, author of uh, Don't Get So Upset. And in one of those interviews, we got into, into the idea that the early learning profession can attract a lot of broken people that that uh, have these emotional things going on. And I do feel when I talk about how we need to be kind of mindful about how we use praise uh, with children in presentations, I get a lot of pushback from people. And I think I think there's I think a lot of people are carrying a lot of a lot of energy around uh, that right. issue with them that that and, so and maybe. Yeah, to, maybe to wrap this in is that for those of us who are working in the early childhood world and interacting with young kids for our work and every day, not just these stranger interactions in the hotel, but, uh -huh. but you know, um, early childhood professionals. So maybe really watch if you're in that position, the, the kind of words that you are saying to kids and, and wonder where those come from. Yeah. Because the kids don't need to hear it. They will feel strong and confident and interested in exploring the world without those empty words. Um, just take a, a, a genuine interest in them and give them space to play and explore and they will bloom. I don't think there's a better way we could uh, end this episode. Hey, thanks for, for listening to Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. And if you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.